Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful sources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from the quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week, we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week, we bring you a different 316. And with that, I'm Luke here in Wisconsin, and I'm here with my co-host, well, he's actually there, in North Carolina, Nick. How's it going, Nick? Hello. It's going good. It's going good. It's been a hot second, it feels like, although I think all we did was miss one week of recordings, and now we're just going to lump it all together um, to the detriment of some of our listeners who apparently like to think that we record it weekly oh yeah don't don't share the secrets no all of these are done exactly uh on the day that they're released no just and chronologically that's a yeah that'd be silly but you know what's not silly to ask nick what he ate for lunch (laughs) anyway (laughs) dang wait what did i eat for lunch though (laughs) never mind he's not gonna remember um i'm not gonna remember that's bad yeah i was like i remember you know what so little about today (laughs) if we lived together like we used to I bet I would remember. Maybe not. But you see what I did Well, you'd there? be eating a summer sausage sandwich. That's true. I, and using your little meat board and your little knife. Yeah, that's true. I, I did use the same uh, same wood. What, are, what do you call that? The the thing that what you cut on. Cutting boards. Cutting board. Yeah, I was like, wood cutter. No, that's not it. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was our attempt to be clever or my attempt to be clever but then i felt very known by that thank you for remembering my summer sausage sandwiches they were they were a little bit more difficult to find in north carolina than they are in wisconsin i can go into woodman's which is the equivalent to food line in north carolina sort of and i can find myself a whole heap of summer sausage in woodman's i don't know that you could find that in food line very easily because i have searched and some food lines do have summer sausage some do not anyway this is no not trying to throw shade on food line i love food line <laughs> i still have well, my wait, food line. wait are you saying woodman's like yeah it's called woodman's wood? like not wegman's uh actually i think there's like i think it's like one of those chains that they have different names across the u.s but anyway oh no in Scotland, so there's a woodman's and a wegman's i think so yeah actually I'm that's pretty terrifying sure anyway so talking about <laughs> <laughs> too much uh, summer sausage for me oh man you can't get never mind whatever um (laughs) this week we're we're talking about a different 316 and i was gonna tell you how i thought this would be clever i don't know if this was my most clever title but here you go i was thinking oh like john 316 like you know that's a verse that even people who are not christians are like oh yeah i've I've heard john 316 like sometimes people hold that up like at football games in like the end zone you know because then they get caught in the camera you know what i'm saying yeah or on their um What's the football eye makeup called again? Uh, like war paint, face paint. Sure, it's like the black stuff, and people like write in like Bible verses in it, and it's almost always like John three sixteen. I don't think I've ever seen that. I was just talking about like you haven't seen people that? hold up a like pass some of the uh, Christian poster. athletes will have it on. I- I'm not sure what it's called. I don't watch sports. I don't do the sports ball. <laughs> I've just seen it occasionally, and I mean, granted, we are recording what two days after the Super Bowl, so you would think I would know. Oh this. no. Oh, what do you mean the Super Bowl? We can't huh? just talk about the Super Bowl. All of a sudden, everybody will be like, "What do they think about the Super Bowl?" Never mind. Anyway, three sixteen. I think I missed it. 
<laughs> Genesis. Okay, I was thinking of Genesis three sixteen. <laughs> um, maybe thinking what in the world? I don't. I didn't get that segue. Uh, I. You know what? That's a bummer. I'll have to. We'll have to see what we can do next time. But for now, this is this happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, to today we're talking about um everybody's favorite topic. That's actually I don't actually mean that, uh, which maybe you gathered from maybe it was slightly sarcastic, but I do think it's really important talking about man and womanhood, and you know, like every Christian ever has like got their whole theory on everything. Um, so instead of giving you like a theory that we're like this is the one, I just wanted to briefly describe two very prominent schools of thought or theologies if you will in uh christianity or evangelicalism and then also just give maybe a practical uh insight at least something that i find helpful for thinking about what do you do if you disagree with somebody about how they view man and woman or maybe not even necessarily like if you disagree about them just like just a thought so anyway the for the the two schools of thought Nick, have you, have you heard of complementarianism and egalitarian? Oh my goodness, I can't even speak. Complementarianism and egalitarianism. Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, it's definitely been. I think. No, I mean this. This is just coming from my own experience. The complementarianism is definitely, at least within like, the local churches down here in North Carolina. That's more more the theme i think and then like within some of the more i guess liberal traditions you'd find egalitarianism at least that's like what i've experienced down here might not be the same up there in the north sure i mean i i don't know i've interacted with a a lot of different different congregations a lot of different theology um and i would say also just to throw this out there uh the words have been used so much that when people are saying the word i don't actually know exactly what they're referring to all the time um because yeah i think that's fair because they might be meaning like one egalitarianism might be different from another egalitarianism and one complementarianism might be different than another complementarianism so i would just maybe okay so okay so just the appropriate preface this is gonna be a real broad brush stroke so hopefully uh everyone you know, put on your nuance, uh, nuance ears and try to be charitable with me. But broadly speaking, uh, egalitarianism for Christians would say, all right, men and women are able to fulfill whatever office or role, regardless of their male or femaleness, their man or uh, womanhoodness. And complementarianism, again, broadly speaking, would say there are some offices that are best suited for males or men, and some offices are best suited for women or females. And again, this is like very broad. So if you're sitting there going, wait a second, I would describe that differently. Um, That's totally fine. I, I believe you. And perhaps you might even describe it better than I would. So bear with us here. Um, But I did want to go through just one kind of, I think key, what's the word for it? Kind of like interpretation of some Old Testament chapters, right? In the very beginning, 
there are a lot of different verses that talk about male and female. And again, there's lots of people that are way better qualified than I am to do this. So I'm just going to do my, my best to give you like just a basic orientation thinking about this. And actually, I'm not necessarily picking one and telling you what to think today. More just describing how I perceive these two different schools of thought. So in Genesis, uh, if you're not a Christian, hey, no worries. Here's some basic basic Christianity 101. Uh, God puts Adam and Eve in paradise and Eden, the Garden of Eden. And he says, don't eat of this one tree, but you can eat of all the other trees. And in disobedience, uh, Eve and Adam eat of this fruit they're not supposed to eat. And then, of course, there are consequences. A lot of times, this moment of failure is referred to as the fall. So if you're talking with a Christian, they're talking about the fall. And you're like, what are they talking about? Autumn? No, they're talking about the fall, about like humanity's fall from obedience, from you know doing what God told them to do. And after the fall, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a couple different curses that actually God lays out, which is pretty sad thinking about curses i think often we think about curses of like oh yeah that's like harry potter which is more of like this kind of childish fun kind of fictional view of curses not any shade on harry potter just different than the biblical like yes there will be pain in childbirth that's pretty intense or like you will basically eat of the fruit of the land out of the sweat of your brow like basically your work will no longer be this only pleasurable thing, but also this toilsome, difficult thing. And anyway, part of this curse, we're finally getting to 316. You're probably like, oh my gosh, where is he going with this John 316? It's been taking him so long. We have arrived at Genesis 316. That's part of this curse. And God is saying um, to the, he's saying to the woman, to Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And this is the crux, or at least one of the the points of interpretation that's really important when thinking about complementarianism and egalitarianism. Uh, if you come from a more complementarian background, you would say in the Garden of Eden, even before the fall, before, you know, like this corruption, this sin, that male, there was like this male leadership and then after the fall, that male leadership was corrupted, where it says, God says, he shall rule over you. Um, if you're from a more egalitarian persuasion, you would read this curse and say, all right, uh, there was no male or female leadership before the fall. And then after the fall, as a part of the curse, um, males or men were given this this like leadership role, this sort of leadership, uh, almost like a, a twisted sort of corruption of a healthy relationship. It's not like a leadership like, ah, oh, you've been given this responsibility, but rather your relationship between men and women has been messed up. And now there's this male um, ruling over the woman. And anyway, so now that we gave that brief one-on-one, <laughs> um, just gonna sneak in here and give my little my little uh, practical piece of advice. Try not to step on too many toes. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I rhymed. Brilliant. Um, I just wanted to throw this out as a practical piece of 
something that I don't remember where I learned this, um, you know, but I just think it's very helpful. Regardless of your view of complementarianism or egalitarianism, and don't get me wrong, I do think it's important to think about. I think it's important to choose um, where you're supporting you know, you're like, if you're choosing a church that, that might be very, that might be an important part. If regardless, if you're a man or a woman, if how that church is going to decide if, if a man or woman can be in office, that's not actually the practical piece of advice. All I'm trying to do is say, I recognize that as a very valid question. Also in relationships, if you're going to get married to someone, it's very reasonable to try and figure out, Hey, what do we both think about the other person, the male or female, and like their respective role? Or is there really not any sort of respective role that is distinct in any way? It's very, very important, I would say. I'm not a counselor, but I'm just going to throw this out there and say that. I think a counselor would say that. Um, anyway, um, Nick, are you still with me? I've been talking a long time. Oh, yeah, I'm just over here chuckling to myself just, in, the, uh, uh, in the mute. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad someone thinks this is funny. Uh, yeah, I think it's hilarious. You know, I'm trying to <laughs> try my best to thread this needle. You know, it's like it's yeah, like I'm just oh, a little biased, though. You know, hey, we're just you know just gonna pick our most <laughs> the most controversial issues of our time and just be like, oh yeah, let's talk about it. Um, no, that's later. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, what's the practical piece of advice, Luke? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, but wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. <laughs> and I'm really glad that Nick is actually with me. Sometimes our connection breaks. And I was like, oh, yeah, I Yeah, and then I'm like, that... I'll catch up in like 20 seconds on whatever it is that you're saying. Yeah, I was like, I wonder if he's actually there. But <laughs> no, I'm listening. I'm here. I'm okay. the number one listener. Oh, At man. least for now. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Actually, that's not even true because I don't even listen to the podcast. I edit it too much. <laughs> Oh, that's fair. I listened to it. Um, <laughs> but what anyway, does Luke have for us today? What does Luke have? <laughs> what does he have? Okay, so here's the practical piece of advice. If you are a Christian and you think this curse is real, regardless if you are complementarian or egalitarian, and you may view the curse differently, I would say in our relationships as men and women, we should always be aware of how that curse, though that plays out in the relational dynamic for both people, but we should be especially aware of how it affects us. So if I'm a man, which I am, I take away from this verse about the curse saying, all right, he shall rule over you. Okay, so my number one thing I need to be careful of, if I think that the man is a leader you know, because I'm a complementarian, or if I think an egalitarian, all right, we don't have distinctive roles. I need to be aware that I can abuse my power. Um, like, even if you think men should be in sort of a distinctive leadership role, to be careful about being a leader of gentleness, to not being this kind of ruling over, like Jesus says, oh man, I'm going to butcher this, where he talks about how he came to serve and not to rule over people, um, to lord it over people. Whereas, or if I'm an egalitarian, I'm like, okay, 
I don't think there are distinctive roles to be careful about how I can be gentle and not, again, not abusing my power. And then the other part of the curse is a little bit more tricky for me, honestly. Um, one might be just because I'm, I'm not a woman, so I, I guess I don't have this firsthand experience. But I just doing a quick word study, if you will. Um, that word desire, your desire shall be for your husband. It actually appears in two different places in the Old Testament besides this this place. One is actually in the next chapter, uh, Genesis 4, 7, uh, with Cain and Abel, and God is confronting, oh man, I always get these mixed up. Does Cain kill Abel? Is that right? Or is it Abel kills Cain? I think it's Cain kills Abel. Uh, Cain kills Abel, yeah. Okay, great. Fact Glad check. <laughs> Thank you for that fact Real check. Real time. You can go back to chuckling now. No, um, I have. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Next, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so in that in Genesis four seven, God is basically telling Cain, uh, basically, if you do well, you not will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Almost like the sense of uh, sin is desiring to control. Cain. Um, so in one sense, you're like, oh man, that's a pretty, uh, pretty rough curse for like women. They're like trying to be manipulative. But before you just take away that verse, not so fast, not so fast. Turn on that, that nuance, uh, muscle later in the song of Solomon's chapter seven, verse 10. Um, the word is used again. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. And that one doesn't necessarily seem to have a malevolent uh, what's the word, like a malevolent lens on it. So in other words, it's a little bit more mysterious uh, than perhaps the man side of the curse, he shall rule over you. Although they're both kind of, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. Anyway, so that is my little piece of advice. <laughs> All the qualifications. If I am not saying that you shouldn't be aware of the other genders, uh, part of the curse, just saying that, hey, let's focus, regardless if you're complementarian or egalitarian, really focus on the part of the curse that has corrupted your nature um, to see be self-reflective. So anyway, um, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit, but I think it's important, like, and I had never actually seen it in such a nuanced light from both sides, right? Specifically as it relates to not abusing whatever power it is that you're instilled with, right? So I think that, I don't think that steps on too many toes, hopefully, and that I think it challenges us from whatever position we're coming from to, you know, take things with a little bit more, um, I guess, challenge to our initial, perhaps, like, you know, reflexively oppositional stances that we might take on issues such as these. Well, thank you. <laughs> I You're appreciate welcome. that. Yeah. I was uh I was excited to deliver this one, but a little little apprehensive. Um so I'm I'm glad that that was your takeaway. Yeah. Uh, well I only think I even like when I was in like I feel like I've grown up in particularly within like complementarian spheres for the most part. And I don't think I've heard it presented in that way before. So I think like it shed light for me as well. Cool. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, 
with that, uh, before we wrap up, we of course want to mention the episode we're recommending the the resource. Oh, yeah. The resource. We're, yeah, we're recommending an episode by the podcast "The Art of Relationships," episode ninety-seven, and the title is "Cohabitation: Why Not Live Together." And I think our co-listener puts it so well when they're talking about this episode. So here's Kirsten from Wisconsin. She says, I appreciate the careful way Tim and Chris approach the subject of cohabitation. They acknowledge a popular assumption that living together should improve a couple's odds for a successful marriage, only to discover decades of research that says otherwise. The findings might come as a surprise, even after considering very logical reasons for cohabitation. I think this podcast could help couples who are thinking about living together. For some, it could spark deeper conversation about unspoken, underlying issues. And for others, it might be like getting insider information that you wish you had known sooner. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Kirsten, for co-listening with us on this episode, A Different 316. Uh, that's all I've got. Nick, any any finishing touches to, to your secret chuckling? <laughs> in my secret chuckling uh not necessarily i mean i will say like in response to the co-listeners review i think like even within my um my degree in the education i received like that was data that we ourselves also learned um regarding the topic at hand for the recommendation and so it's interesting to see how like there is data regarding that and how like I think it's important for people to see who, you know, regardless of whether or not um, you're a Christian or not, like this is data that is pretty valid. And I know even like people across the, I guess, religious aisle would view it in a similar manner and maybe to how like we as Christians would think of it as well. So I think that's kind of something that is thought provoking to me. Yeah. And I do, I like my, I don't, my goal is not to be like, shaming people who cohabitate either um just really because i think honestly if if nick and i get on here and we say oh we're we're christians so you shouldn't cohabitate because jesus says you shouldn't that doesn't actually really make sense if you're not a christian it would be like well who cares like i'm i don't ascribe any sort of special authority to jesus yeah exactly <laughs> um but this is sort of a, a different way of saying as and i think these guys are very gentle and they also clearly communicate they're not trying to shame anybody um, but they're just saying, hey, here's some data, um, or data, whatever you want, it, data or data, anyway. Um, so they're, they're just presenting the study. So anyway, thank you guys for listening this week, and we will see you back next week for Macro House Management. See you next week.